Hey, everyone, and welcome to the On the Horizon RC podcast. As always, I'm your host and Horizon CEO, Chris Dickerson. And with me, as always, our marketing director, Steve Petrato. Steve, as always, it's the end of the year here. It's good to see you. How you doing? Good to see you, too. Doing very well. Uh, it's, a, it's a busy season for the elves at Horizon. Uh, it's, uh, been a, it's been always a fun season to see all the packages going out the door. And uh, me personally, focused on, uh, you know, obviously getting ready for the holiday and uh, haven't been to many events because it's cold out. Right. Uh, so I haven't done a whole lot of RC in the past couple of weeks, but I have been flying the uh, E-Flight Erratics a little bit when the wind nice. isn't so bad. Uh, so that's kind of the <laughs> the winter aircraft, I guess, nice and easy to throw up in the backyard. Don't need a lot of space. So, uh, yeah, it's just hanging out. What about you? Well, I would say my RC time has been very limited here recently, <laughs> but um, I, I was pretty lucky uh, last weekend. I went out to visit the West Coast Horizon team, so it was really nice. cool. You know, one of the things we do as a breakfast with Santa, so we had a lot of our Horizon employees out in the Southern California area that brought their kids in. Uh, you know, to to be able to give their their Christmas list directly to Santa. And um, then, like you said, it is so awesome. You know, here the last few weeks, we are definitely in what we like to call peak season or busy season. Yeah. And uh, yeah, our, our elves out in the distribution center and our elves in sales um, are are busy, busy, busy getting product out the door so that uh, people can have, you know, an awesome uh holiday season, whether it's a Christmas gift or a birthday or whatever else they may be celebrating. I just love the thought of, you know, Christmas trees everywhere, uh, you know, people waking up and having this huge gift that's, <laughs> um, you know, going to be something that they just fall in love with. So, yeah, like you said, we are we're definitely Santa's workshop this time of year. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. So a little bit quick on the news. We'll, we'll keep this short because I know we have a, a crazy good guest this week. But the, yeah. you know, f just to remind everybody that if you're listening and if you're listening to this before the holiday, uh, we've got some great, great sales going on right now. So holiday roundup sale is live and there's some really screaming deals in there. So if you haven't checked that out, um, that's a great, a great way to get a good gift at a much reduced price for the season. So if you miss Black Friday, if you miss Cyber Monday, don't worry. We still have stuff for, uh, on sale all the way through the uh, the rest of the season. Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, obviously, you, know, you can go to horizonhobby.com to, uh, to, to, to look into that. And also our retailers are Definitely. stocked up. They're doing a great job of restocking to make sure they've got these, these um, promotional items and then everything else. If, if maybe that... RC enthusiast on your on your list, um, you know, you just haven't got found what's right for them yet. Here's a great time to go do it. Um, and the clock is ticking towards <laughs> yeah. the end of the year here. So time is running out. Yeah, well, I guess it wouldn't be a podcast, Chris, for Horizon if we didn't talk about That's product. So uh, first thing on my list is just to remind everybody, we are, we've started this ornament project and every year we've been doing ornaments since, well, since last year. Um, it was actually a request from our retailers from many, many years ago. Uh, so if you haven't checked our ornaments out, you can uh, check those out at your local retailer or horizonhobby.com. We do have, for this year, the TLR-22X4 Elite. 
uh, it looked really cool. It's the scheme that Dakota Fen races too. Right. It's on there. Uh, and then the, of course, the ever popular timber, the E-Flight Turbo Timber Evolution. Uh, we've uh, faithfully recreated that as well. And uh, it's really, really nice. So if you're interested in that, we've got those two. And of course, from last year, we still have a few left. So if you're interested in getting the Draco or the Felony from Arma, uh, we've got those available as well. Yeah, those are so cool too, Steve. Like you said, just a fun way to kind of ha- enjoy the RC hobby and you know celebrate your favorite your favorite product. Maybe um, you know have a whole tree decked out in in your model airplanes over time. Um, I love too the packaging you guys did for those because <laughs> even all the way down they they're like downscale versions of the actual product boxes that the the product comes in. So just another. Actually, you can probably see them real small behind me if you're watching <laughs> the podcast. You can see I've got them. Uh, under my little tree here in the office. So yeah, just a fun way to, to again, expand the Christmas joy and certainly something I think we plan to continue to do. So, you know, continue to collect the set if you haven't already done so. I know I have a set here and I have a set at home already. So yeah, um, definitely on my, my Christmas list to make sure I keep up with the, the horizon holiday ornaments. Yeah. And, and also, you know, a portion of the proceeds goes to Hobbies for Good, uh, which, you know, supports initiatives like the USO and Operation 11 Charlie. So, you know, it's, it's a, it's not just a fun purchase. It's going to a good cause as well. Absolutely. Well, the next one on my list, Chris, is today uh, at the, the time we're recording this. Just this morning, we launched the UMX Turbo Timber, and it's been met with a really good response so far from what I've seen out there. Uh, really awesome Ultra Micro Turbo Timber, sorry, not Turbo Timber, the Ultra Micro Twin uh, Otter. I, I, uh, it's based on that. So the Ultra Micro Twin Otter. It's a scaled down version of our Twin Otter. Uh, differential thrust instead of having a rudder, which keeps costs down. And uh just an excellent flying aircraft. I was a, I was lucky enough to be able to fly it a couple months ago in produ- in testing, and uh, when it was a little warmer out, and uh, it was really really enjoyable to fly. Uh, so definitely check that out, and it will be available really shortly. So you should be able to get your Ultra Micro Twin Otter before the holiday season, even. So it should yeah. be available almost next week. That is a great one, Steve. And I think much like you, uh, I happened to be out at the field one day and, and Sean Sullivan was flying this little airplane and, and I was like, oh, wow, that, that's, you know, really, really cool, you know, and he just walked over and he was like, oh, OK, hey, here, fly it. And of course, I got really nervous because I thought I was going to probably break our only sample that we had. <laughs> of course, he assured me that he had, you know, extras and I, I, I wouldn't it was OK. Um, <laughs> I think I flew three battery packs through, you know, um, what a neat little little airplane i mean just you know like you said with with it not having a rudder it flies a little different which is kind of part of the fun but Mm -hmm. it's amazing how much power this little yeah this little airplane has and just it's fun i mean there's no other way to really describe it in my mind it's just an enjoyable airplane that you can fly and uh yeah i think people who who see this and are interested would not be disappointed i i know i i need to get my order in because i wouldn't be surprised if we don't sell through these but um yeah Anyway, well, the other one that um, not a new announcement, but amazing that uh, it's finally shipping is the <laughs> F-14 Tomcat. I think we've probably talked about this one a few times over our podcast, probably when it first announced, uh, probably a couple times since then, because it is so cool. But, you know, I, I recently I was on a flight and rewatched, you know, Top Gun Maverick. And, uh, you know, it, it, it made me seeing that airplane, of course, makes you feel the need, the need for speed. And uh, who doesn't really want to be Maverick or maybe you've always viewed yourself more as an Iceman. I don't I don't know, you know, uh, <laughs> who you want to be or maybe it's Rooster now, I guess. Uh, maybe you want to be a Rooster. 
but you can, you know, talk about just a, an awesome, uh, you know, UMX airplane, what, what the team at eFlight did with this airplane and the scale they did is really phenomenal. And I know, again, the response for it, people have been just clamoring for that thing to finally ship. Yeah. And it's finally shipped. I know it was a really difficult product to develop, but pretty, pretty awesome. So if that's one you've been following along and you didn't get a pre-order in, now is the time. And it does not disappoint either. So anything else today, Steve? Or if not, I think, you know, our guest today has such an inspirational message. He is what all what the hobby is about. He's very aligned with Horizon's mission um, doing amazing work. If, if there's nothing else to talk about, I think we should just skip right to our guest today because it is uh, an amazing story. I think our listeners are going to love to hear. Yeah, definitely, Chris. I think it's more important to jump to that. So let's get right over to our guest of the day. Okay. Today's guest is someone I don't want to give away his age. I see here when he started in model aviation, but I'm going to, I'm going to spare uh, giving away maybe his age here, but let's just say he's been in model aviation for quite some time. Started as a teenager, and I think everyone that's listening to this will hear today that uh, he's just as passionate today as he probably was back then when he was a teenager. He is the founder and captain of Lightspeed Air Shows. He's dedicated to using RC aircraft as a tool to introduce children to STEM, so science, technology, engineering, and math. Um, Dennis and his team travel the country to various schools and I think has a similar purpose to what we have here at Horizon. We want to inspire dreams and make memories. And certainly Dennis and the team do that, especially with the youth of our country. So it's amazing. Dennis, it's an honor to have you here with us today. Welcome to the On the Horizon RC podcast. We're going to hear all about your RC journey today. Awesome. Thanks for having me. This is a, a, an honor, believe me, to uh, to be a part of this this uh, growing hobby and this great team at Horizon Hobby. I love it. Yeah, well, what you do is really good. So we'll start at the beginning. Like I said, I, I spared, uh, you know, uh, giving away how long you've been in the hobby, but maybe you can kind of tell us, you know, what what drew you to the the hobby, you know, your background a little bit, and maybe before Lightspeed, because we'll talk a lot about what you do there and, and yeah. what you do. But, you know, what what kind of drew you into to model aviation? Yeah, and I'm, my story is very common to a lot of baby boomers. I not, not give my age away, but, <laughs> but um, my dad um, flew radio or not radio control, but he flew control line and free flight as a child uh, back when he was 14 years old. And uh, he, I've got pictures of my dad building uh, various free flight models and. Uh, he was born in 29, so when around 1939, when he's around 10, is when he really got involved in building models and built several models, scratch-built kits. And so my dad was an avid builder all the way um, through uh, the Korean War. When he was in Korea, he was building control line models also with the, you know, even 049s and McCoy 35s and motors like that. And he had really big control line, six foot wingspan airplanes. So um, my dad was an avid modeler. And I think we grew up, so my dad is, we're from Dayton, Ohio, which is the birthplace of aviation. So I think my dad being living near Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and, and having that connection to aeros, uh, aviation and aerospace, uh, was a big component in uh, my upbringing. So, and my earliest days remembering my dad 
building models when I was three years old, if I remember all the way back then, and dragging us to the local school ball grant, ball fields and flying his control line models off of uh, off of those ball fields was my earliest memories. And um, my dad, and that's I think believe that's where I picked it up. I kind of got morphed into that, and uh, and then my dad. Uh, uh, expounded on that by putting he put super eight movie cameras in his big Cessna one one eighty I think it was and it had like a six foot wingspan and we've got eight millimeter videos of my dad trying to get that thing off the ground and it didn't get off the ground and the video just shows it going around and around but it was so heavy it wouldn't take off so we used to laugh about that when we'd watch home movies and stuff but. Uh, so my dad was an aviator like that. He never had his pilot's license, but he was an avid model airplane uh, guy. And so as I got a little older, all of his models and airplanes that he built over the years hung in our garage and through our house. And as a growing up, we would look at those and I would just dream about model airplanes and flying. It's kind of a sad story. My dad got involved in business and he weaned away from uh, flying model airplanes. Well, as a young eight, nine, 10 year old, I was super interested in it. And my dad, um, he wasn't, he wasn't anymore. And it, and he, he was so preoccupied with his work and business. Um, it kind of left, left him hanging from the wall. And then, uh, a neighbor friend of mine who was four years older than me was just like I was. He'd come over to our garage and look at those models and we would just dream and, and talk about them. And, and we started actually building models when I was about 13, 12, 11 or 12, I think is when I actually started uh, control line, building my first control line models. And then my, my friend who lived behind us uh, got involved in control line too. And him and I started hanging out and being a, f- a few years older than I was, he actually started working when he was 16 and got his first job and he took his first paycheck and we'd buy those Cox 049 control line airplanes and we'd fly them in our backyard and his backyard. And we just were overwhelmed at all the cool, um, abilities that we learned and, and acquired in building models. And uh, he bought his first radio control system, I believe was in uh, around 1973. And in 1973 is when I got introduced to RC through him. And uh, we had several models that we flew and crashed and had one fly away and and so that was where my RC kind of started. My dad was kind of out of the picture by this time. And me and my, my neighborhood friend um, were just engulfed in this, this hobby. So I got through my early years of uh, high school flying RC. I, I remember my first speech class. The subject was my radio control Falcon 56 with an OS 25 and a world engines blue max radio. And I, I, I did that for my uh, speech class when I was a 
sophomore in high school. So uh, RC was a big thing uh, in, in those early days. And that's kind of how it, it uh, molded me. And I always was interested in it. It never left me. Uh, I, you're right. I still have the same enthusiasm today as I do as I did then, even more so today because of the cool technology and the airplanes and the, the everything is just so much more. If I would have had, if I would have been a child during this era, it would have been over the top. And uh, <laughs> it's funny because I see a lot of uh, adults that see our show and they say the same exact thing. They always say, man, if I would have seen this at that age, how different my life would have turned out. And we hear that a lot. And yeah. uh, so uh, that's kind of my early uh, introduction to model airplanes and RC. And as I got older, um, you know, the model models became more expensive. I flew pattern with Mike McConville and Tony Fracoviak and Dave Brown back in the early 80s when I was aspiring to be a, a pattern pilot. And they, I looked up to all those guys. They were kind of my, my mentors. And, and uh, as I learned to, to fly pattern, uh, you know, life got in the way a few times and I got in and out of it and then uh, kept migrating back to RC. Even though I'd leave it a couple times, uh, I, I came right back to it pretty quick. So it seemed like every time I'd get back into it, I'd go a little deeper and go <laughs> farther. And uh, so um, that, that brought me through my, uh, my teens and my early twenties to my, to my thirties. Um, and RC followed all the way through and I followed the technology and going from the little cheap AM radios to the FM radios, the, PCM radios and then ultimately spread spectrum, which really impacted everything. So that was yeah, early, early stages. Yeah. Your story is, is similar to what we see a lot of our customers go through, you know, the, those that are super passionate about RC, they, they either, uh, you know, a lot of them are, are gifted in RC aircraft or their father or, or someone, uncle, grandfather gets them into the sport yeah. uh, or into the hobby. And, they oftentimes stick with it for life, uh, yeah. but they do tend to come and go, right? So they, yeah. they, life gets in the way, they go away for a little while, start a family or whatever, then come yeah. back, get into it. So it's very similar. Yeah. My question is kind of around, you know, you were obviously passionate about several things growing up. You know, at what point did that passion turn into um, from RC to, hey, I want to use this as a tool? You know, when, what was that transition point? Was it an interaction you had with someone that was like, hey, light bulb moment. I would love that. You know, this is a new purpose for me. Yeah. Um, I'm curious what what kind of helped kind of grease that that yeah. transition for you. Well, that's where the story can get long and I'll, I'll, I'll try to <laughs> I'll try to simplify it and make it as, as accurate as I can. Um, when I got out of RC in uh, 2000. Uh, see I think the year right I got out of RC in 1994 and came uh, I moved out to Tulsa Oklahoma and uh, I went to Bible college uh, I had aspirations to be a minister so I come out here to Tulsa Oklahoma come to here to go to Bible college 
and um, got out of RC, sold all my equipment, uh, just literally sold everything. I think I've devastated my father because I gave away all my transmitters and my tools and my airplanes. And I said, Dad, I'm changing to something different. And I moved out here to go to Bible college. Well, in in Bible college, I actually became um, kind of an aspiring evangelical and uh, was trying to figure out, okay, what can I do to impact uh, our culture and society and, and basically mankind using the airplanes? And uh, because I always loved the airplanes and I always felt like there was something in that for me anyway. So to help make this story not so long, uh, after I got out of college, um, I was meddling again back with RC and uh, a friend of mine uh, invited me to go to a, uh, a fundraiser um, that he was having. So I go to this fundraiser and this, this guy was putting on um, Bible clubs in elementary schools in and around our city. And how he did it was he was able to uh, go in the before and after school programs. So he had about a, about an hour of before school and after school where he would basically take these children that were dropped off by their parents because of their work schedule. And the school would provide a, a, a teacher and or a parent to basically babysit these kids for an hour until their parents picked them up or before school started. And he started this club in Bible club in these elementary schools, and they would sing these songs and and uh, praise and worship songs, and then they would have a little Bible lesson, and then they play these fun games. So um, it was really interesting. And I went to this fundraiser for this guy. It was a regular five hundred one c three nonprofit. So we met at this fundraiser, and I said, let's have lunch together. I have something I want to share with you. So we sat down, and um, I, I said, I really like what you're doing, and I've always wanted to, to use what I have in my model airplanes, and, uh, and I'd like to see if we could maybe put something together here. I think there might be something here. And he was really all hands on deck. He goes, wow, this sounds really good. Now, Back to this point in time, this was 2003, 2004. So it was at the very beginning of the indoor foamy craze, the indoor flight, you know, the, uh, the Depron airplanes. We, Horizon, you guys made the Tensor, and Kike was developing the Bipe Yak, and, and the ETOC, if you guys remember, was really big. Um, yeah. And uh, Europe was, was already going with this several years earlier. So these were brand new to me and brand new to a lot of people in 2003, 2004. So I bought a, a Icarus Flyer, and, um, and at that point in time, I was actually uh, studying the history of the Wright brothers. So the history of the Wright brothers is a really interesting story because their quest for flight began when they were in second and fourth grade. So they were seven and 11 years old. So 
that was an interesting story because that was a pivotal time for them. Because in Orville's autobiography, he reverted back to that point in time when his father brought home the flying toy that actually captivated both of them and began their interest in flying. And that was in second and fourth grade. And that paralleled the story of us and you and me and a lot of the modelers in our society here that started when they were in elementary school, when they were fascinated by by model airplanes and, and things like that. So as I began to study this story, I realized that this story is very interesting and very inspiring. So when I met with this guy, we put together this, this idea. I said, Let me, I have a concept. I want, to, I want to try in one of your clubs. And he goes, you got it. So we set the date, and I was able to take the story of the Wright brothers and how um, – their gifts and talents ultimately led them to figuring out the problem of flight. You've got to realize the story of the Wright brothers, Orville and Wilbur Wright were, were not educated. They, they, they basically made it through high school, but they didn't have any college. Wilbur, his aspirations were to be a minister like his father. So, so I'm looking at all these parallels going on in my life and, and what I was aspiring to do. And the story began to captivate my heart and how inspirational that story could be to elementary kids. So um, Orville and Wilbur were model citizens. They, they said no to drugs, alcohol, tobacco, profanity. They honored their parents. They, they were model citizens. So I thought, wow, how can I put all this together in a 15-minute little presentation for this guy's little club. So as I began to formulate the thought process and the narrative in the story timeline, we use the airplane, the RC airplane, as kind of a, an entertaining component, like a draw card. But it really had a purpose because it was – complementing the story of Orville and Wilbur Wright's childhood dream of building the flying machine and how that, how that story um, will inspire other children that have dreams of building a flying machine. You know, Orville's story, Wilbur's story was really captivating for me personally, but every child that hears it, they're glued to my words, every word I say. It's, and, and, and Orville and Wilbur Wright's dream, again, started when they were in second and fourth grade. In fact, they were telling people in second and fourth grade that they were going to build a flying machine <laughs> and someday they're going to fly on it. It's a childhood dream thing. But you know, they were actually literally prophesying their future because that dream came to pass 25 years later. And uh, in Orville's autobiography, he reverted back to that day in second grade when their father brought home that flying toy. And I knew that that was a, a key element of the story and, and how we could thread the rest of the story into an inspirational message that inspired kids to follow their God-given talents and, um, and how the Wright brothers' story shows that they weren't educated, but their gifting, their God-given talents is what led them to their purpose and ultimate destiny of becoming the first uh, 
pioneers of flight. So um, we went ahead and put all that together. It was a 15 or 20 minute presentation. I remember that first one. I got pictures of it. That's back before we had a sound system and a net system. And, and uh, we, it was a home run. The first class, I think we had maybe 30 or 40 kids and they absolutely loved it. And it was the first time I ever spoke in front of kids. So it was new to me and it, it hooked me hard too, because those kids believed everything I said. And, you know, that's hard. And adults, you know, we, we struggle with doubt and unbelief, but these kids have that childlike faith. They believe you. And um, the parents that were there, the teachers that were there that saw that, uh, thought that it was an excellent program. So the guy in these Bible clubs, he said, this was home run for us. Let's get you in every one of our clubs. I think he had 17 clubs open at that point in time in 17 different schools. So as we, as we developed it over the two-year period, we added more airplanes, a little more content. You know, we, we started structuring the program into a, a, a charitable organization with a 501c3 um, licensed uh, program. Um, and then uh, that's kind of how the Lightspeed Air Show started. It, it actually started out as the Godspeed flight demonstration team. But we got a lot of flack when we went public into public elementary schools. Um, so back the story up a little bit. Two years of evolving that program, we we got a net system for liability exposure. Um, we we got a sound system. Uh, it, it became a little more important because as the audiences grew, the risk exposure grew. So sure. here we are flying these racing jets in these gyms, and I'm thinking, man, if we hit a kid and it pokes their eye out or something crazy like that, so I became very sensitive to the liability issue and the AMA didn't really want to help us because we're, we were a, an entity, mm-hmm. a, a real official entity. So we thought, well, we're going to have to get insurance. And so we had to learn through the ropes on, on that. So that, that's how that started originally. It was started as a, as a before and after school program. It was about 15 or 20 minutes long. It was very abbreviated compared to what it is today. Um, but it is, it is what has evolved into a one hour presentation and very rich uh, content that expounds the story of the Wright brothers to, to hmm. include the aviation timeline, um, which is what we demonstrate in the program. So, uh, really interesting that I say, I think it's, it's pretty cool to see the yeah. evolution of that. And it's, a, it's amazing to kind of, to hear the story of, you know, what it was and now yeah. kind of what it is. Um, tell us a little bit about, you know, the team that comes to put these events. It's obviously not just you. Right. Uh, and I, and I've seen videos, uh, tell us a little bit about how many folks you bring to each event and kind of what their individual roles are. And then yeah. maybe that can transition into kind of how the, how a typical show goes. Yeah. The team has been, is, is, you know, I've got, um, one of my guys, Nathan Meyer, who was at the very beginning with me, um, he was very young. That was in 2004. Um, it was just usually just me and one other person. And then it, it, it expanded into three and now four. And, um, 
So typically three to four of us are there to put on a show and, you know, we'll have, you know, like Taylor Payne, he's one of my, one of my primary air show pilots because he's a really good indoor flyer and he makes it look really easy and it takes the load off of me. Uh, and then Nathan does the other half because uh, we do a lot of team flying. We There's two teams and I can explain that, but, um, and then I do most of the speaking. Um, so it's a one, hour, it's one hour of dialogue. So, uh, it's, a, it's very, uh, it's very, very rich in dialogue and content. So the airplanes are, are, are an entertaining component, but it's also an educational component because we go into the technology of RC and how RC works, what it means, and uh, we we explain that, and then we actually explain the flight controls of an airplane, the rudder, the elevator, the aileron, and how those are used to impact the direction of flight. So we do it all on an elementary basis. You got to remember these are second through fifth graders. So we keep it very simple, but it, it's 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 pretty accurate on 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 what we're doing with a full-scale airplane. So the science of flight is, is, is demonstrated and taught. And then the history of flight is actually taught also, which is the story of Orville Wilbur and their childhood dream of building the flying machine. So we have several different segments of, of the show um, that start out from uh, the intro, which is a big bang airplane coming out of a, a box that has a cryo cannon and a confetti cannon in it and the airplane music <laughs> going and the cannon goes off. The airplane jumps out of the box. We got one circling around it while he's doing a torque roll in the middle of all the confetti. And, and that's our intro. And we do a, wow. about a two minute crazy aerobatics flying up into the ceiling and, and loops and rolls and high speed circles and, so Taylor and Nathan are doing that, and and then they land, and then we we turn that into um, the uh, science part of the demonstration. We in, explain to them what RC stands for, and and at the same time we're doing interaction. We're uh, asking the kids you know questions, and we're getting feedback from them. So we bring them in, engage them also during this uh, during this talk. So the, the flying part um, is important. Uh, and there's some days when Taylor can't be there and I've got to do both. So I've got to fly <laughs> and I've got to talk. And, oh, no. And, and that, can, that, can be, that can be quite <laughs> entertaining in itself. I'm not, yeah. I'm not the pilot Taylor is. And, and uh, so it's really important that everybody's there. But when they're not, I'm the backup. And I get by. We've done probably – 10 shows this year with me doing it. So Taylor got stuck in Waco, Texas for his job and wasn't able to get here. So hopefully that's changing now and he's back full time again with us. But anyway, that it's a four man deal. It takes us about an hour plus to set up the program, which means we go into a gym at seven 30 in the morning. We have to set up our net system, our sound system, our tables, all the the airplanes come in, 
batteries. We use the we still use the Chroma and the Typhoon hmm. 4K for the drone segment. Okay. Um, so those are still used. And uh, so we do an airplane segment and then a drone segment because drones are so popular now. And we explain how a quadcopter works and the technology sure. of how a, how a microprocessor controlled flight controller is the heart wow. and brain of the drone. And, and so we walk them through the, uh, that segment and uh, uh, and it, it follows the airplane segment. So we separate the airplane and the drone so they can see the differences. So, But anyway, it's about an hour and 30 minutes from the time we show up till the time we're ready. And the kids start coming in. We've got loud, popular, top music playing. And the kids are, <laughs> the kids are all excited. Of course, you know, because of the recent school shootings, and some of the bad press that that's getting, we don't publicize our air shows anymore. We don't tell <laughs> the students anymore. So the teachers all are on the same page on this. So we don't yeah. want to give anybody a heads up. Um, so uh, the kids are surprised. It's a, it's a surprise for them. So wow. they come into the gym not having any idea what's getting ready to happen. And they see this giant net system and all these airplanes on the floor. And they're like, what the heck is getting ready to happen? So <laughs> we got all this music going and we're all dressed up in our flight suits. And and they're just like, their eyes are wide open. They're like, wow. So so we we kicked this thing off pretty hard. And, uh, and then... Um, it's a five hour day for us because it's wow. an hour and a half to set up. It's two one hour shows back to back. So we typically wow. have to do, cause the, the gyms are small. So a lot of the gyms we have to do, you know, 175 kids in one and 175 kids wow. in the other. So that's two one hour back to back presentations. So that's two hours of straight dialogue for me. And then the guys flying and, and, setting up the uh, segments so by the time we tear everything down um which is about we're out of there about 12 15 to 12 30 we we've had a five hour day with no break and it's full full <laughs> throttle non-stop action and uh we're we're wiped out we all <laughs> jump in the truck we go to go to the, our favorite restaurant and we just veg out for for a little bit because it's, it's pretty intense. It's pretty intense, but, uh, it's good. It's good feedback. The kids all love it. The teachers are overwhelmed by the response. Um, and that's one of the things that we, we gauge our, our, our content on is how do the teachers respond? How, how do they view this? Cause they're professional. They're all professional educators and we consistently hear that was the best assembly this school has ever had. We hear it all the time. And the teachers tell us they learned something. So we know if they're learning something, these little kids that are sponges are absorbing all this. Um, and the, the, the most powerful testimony that we get is the one that this age group, the attention span is typically pretty short. And we hold them for one hour. And the teachers are amazed that we can lock them in for one hour. Um, and they said, this is unheard of. And that's, that's what, kind of our favorite testimony because 
the content is rich. It's rich content. Again, the airplanes, there's an edgy, there's a uh, entertaining component to it. So it's entertaining. It's educational. Um, and it's inspirational. It's all of it together. And that one hour, um, we, we hear uh, consistently that the teachers tell us those kids were talking about us for two weeks after you left. And that's, you know, when we crash, I tell the guys all the time, you know, we can't do anything wrong. When we crash, the kids love it. You know, <laughs> it kind of makes us look bad, but, but yeah. the, the, the more things that go wrong, it seems like the better yeah. it is for them. <laughs> and uh, we've crashed the drone and we've ran into each other in midair. And, and, <laughs> and I mean, just crazy stuff like that. And like I said, it, we can't do any wrong. And it actually makes it more memorable for us. And the, the teachers tell us that that memorable moment will stay with that child all of his life. And um, so uh, those were, that's a typical kind of a day for us. In, a, in an air show world, it's about a five hour day. And, uh, and then there's a lot of behind the scenes that go on to make us get to that day. So, uh, yeah. and now we're, well, I'm curious. Oh, yeah. oh, I was gonna say, I'm, I'm curious, Dennis, you know, it, cause I'm thinking about it from two perspectives, really. I mean, first of all, my mom was an elementary teacher who's, awesome. who's retired now, but I just think, uh, you know, first of all, if I was an elementary kid and I came in thinking I had a spelling bee this, or a spelling test this morning, and then the next thing I know, I'm watching your air show. That's like, yeah, that I'm, that's the best morning ever oh, yeah. uh, for if you're an elementary. I remember when we would have, you know, forums like that when I was in elementary school. And those were always the best. And we never had anything as cool as this. You know, we might have somebody that bring like some snakes and stuff like <laughs> yeah. that to school. But, you know, it, it, that's amazing. I'm also thinking, though, for a teacher, like you said, at that age, you know, it's so hard to keep them focus, but I could just imagine them being glued to this the entire time. How, how does a teacher even hear about you and your mission? And how do they know to reach out to you or get connected? How does that even work? Well, like you said, now you don't even promote it. So until the day of the event. So how, how does a teacher even find out about you guys? Well, it, that's been a work in progress. So main, mainly it's, it's me reaching out um, to the school. So I spent two hours last night emailing schools for the upcoming uh, winter um, months. So I, I will typically send uh, a school principal an email and it'll have, um, it'll be a small introduction paragraph who we are. And um, I've got video links to our website and our promo video. And we mentioned to the principals and the schools that this is a free program brought to you by our faithful um, donors and sponsors in the area. Uh, philanthropic um, donors are a big part of how we fund this thing. So it's free to the schools. So they're a little bit uh, mystified by that. But um, of course, when they see something free, because they're under budget restraints right now, like crazy. Sure. And uh, when it's a free program and then they watch our promo video uh, then they're like, yeah, we, I'd like to, I'd like to know more about this. And then, then I'll walk them through, um, the program either in an email or I'll visit the school, but we have about 150 elementary schools in our area right here in Tulsa. 
um, probably within a one hour drive, we have probably 200 elementary schools. So I can get on my computer and I can start sending emails and I can go online and I pull up the district. Sometimes I'll go directly to the superintendent and I'll, I'll present it to the superintendent. The superintendent will put an all email out to all the principals say, Hey, here's a program. It's free. Um, please check out the links in this email and schedule a show. So that's how I originally started doing it. Um, and that's worked out really, really well. Of course, once you get your name out there and people start seeing you, they want you to come back every year, you know, but uh, we only come back every third year. So we want a fresh group of kids. So we, we can do uh, enough. We have enough schools in our area that we can do this uh, indefinitely and have a fresh group every three years. So wow. now you mentioned something earlier that we're a national program. When I first started this um, in when I went public. So in, in 2006, this is 2006, two years after I developed the program in those Bible clubs. Obviously, you, you have to be very sensitive to mainstream education. So when I decided to go full time and put this in a mainstream a school assembly, um, you know, the ministering side or talking about Jesus or God or anything like that had to be very carefully worded. <laughs> so, uh, and I think that's where Rick Stevens and I got involved together and, and how, how that was, became very creative. So anyway, um, when I decided to put this in public elementary schools, we got an actual agent and our agent was the one selling us to elementary schools. And back then we charged uh, like $1,000 for a two-assembly program. So this agent booked us in schools from California to Connecticut. And I first originally started traveling all across the country. And I went to California. We went to New York, Connecticut, Um in those early days, the agent did all of the selling for us, and all we had to do is show up. Um, well, that, that that kind of fell through, and um, that lasted a couple years, and that's when the name, the Godspeed Flight Demonstration Team, changed to the Lightspeed Flight Demonstration Team because there was a religious tone in that word. Um, Godspeed, which means successful journey, um, that put a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths. And our agent kept saying, you got to change the name. You got to change the name. So over a period of years, I, I decided finally to change the name to the Lightspeed Flight Demonstration Team. And that changed all that. That, that took out any kind of religious connection to that. Um, so we're very careful about how we word things in our programs now. Um, from a perspective of the event, evangelical side of it, which is really interesting because it's part of the story. So Orville Wilbur Wright's father was a minister, and he ministered in churches all around the country. Um, so they were raised in a Christian home. They were raised that if they believe all things are possible, and it was all about their faith that – that really kept them morally centered. And, you know, we can talk about that in a public elementary school as a history lesson. 
because it's history. It's really how the Wright brothers were raised. So we do that in that respect. And we get so many compliments from the teachers telling us that that's the thing that we're trying to get these kids to do. You know, you're reinforcing that, that moral character into these children. And, and the teachers say they won't listen to us, but they'll listen to you. So <laughs> that's a positive thing for us, too, because we, we beat that drum pretty hard about saying no to drugs, alcohol, tobacco, honoring your parents, you know, honoring your teachers. Orville Wilbur Wright changed the world with the invention of the airplane. Um, and they were, they were model citizens. And, and so that, ins- that, that story helps inspire those kids in that part of the program, um, which uh, is we're ministering in one way or another, we're ministering to those kids. And it's a very, very welcomed very positive reinforcement to everything that teachers and administrators are trying to do. And that's one of the things that we pride ourselves on is that we are making a powerful impact by telling this true story of the Wright brothers and these kids in modern, you know, 21st century time, you know, it's great. It's awesome. Um, And they're captivated by it. They truly are captivated by it. Yeah. I'm curious if you have any idea, Dennis, you know, of, of all the kids that you, you, you know, that, that listen to your show and, and hear it, uh, you know, do you have any idea what part of them maybe actually get into aviation of some sort and kind of fall in love from that? Or, um, you know, maybe it's model aviation, maybe it's full scale aviation. It's just becomes an interest of theirs. It, any any sense of that? I'm sure that's a hard question to answer because you, know, you wouldn't know it for years, right? It, but it, it really is, and we're asked uh, a lot by some of our our potential donors that want to know if we're able to measure that, especially in the STEM movement that's been real popular these right. last these last few years, because there's a lot of money going into STEM related organizations. And they're always asking us, how can we measure your effectiveness? And, and that's the million dollar question. And we, we don't have an answer to that. We really don't. We feel like we're a grassroots social cause. And that's, you know, to, to inspire kids um, in a way that will help mold them as they get older. And one of the things that we've been asked to do is put this in high schools and I've been very reluctant. In fact, I've pretty much decided not to ever do that because we're, we're, we're focusing on the formable years. The, edu- the second, third, fourth grade, those formable years are really, the kids are most um, impressed in those ages. And I think we make a bigger impact on their hearts and their minds in that age. And that's kind of planting that seed so when they get a little older, high school, and they start talking about and thinking about their vocation and what they're going to end up doing, we're hoping that that seed um, is is watered and and flourishes. So um, the kids in high school have already made up their minds in a lot of ways. So we, we feel like we're kind of wasting and spinning our wheels in the older ages, and we, we feel like we're called to doing this in those formable years. So... Well, that being said, to answer your question, I, I'm only hopeful that some of this sticks uh, because I know 
the feedback that I get from adults that say, man, if I would have saw that at this age, my life would have been way different. And I think that probably is happening more than we know. Um, but how do we measure yeah. it? Man, I don't know. That's, that's a tough one, but I hear your question. Yeah. Well, and I think even though back to, you know, your personal example, and, and we hear it a lot too. I know Steve and I do when we're at events and I'm sure you do even at a flying field, you know, someone will, will come up to us at RC Fest, you know, and it'll it'll be I mean, I've, I've seen everything from, you know, a father with a, a the third, fourth grader you mentioned saying, oh. you know, my son loves model aviation now. You know, he he got into it. Mm-hmm. I've also had, you know, adults come up and say, hey, you know, I'm now a pilot for United Airlines and my first airplane was, you know, uh, an E-flight, yeah. whatever. And, you know, it, that, that's pretty impactful. And, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'd say even a handful of those people are pretty amazing. But I think your story is something, even in some of our research we've done, you know, we've found that, you know, as much as 40% of people that get into model aviation, it's because, like, your story. Your father got into it. Mm-hmm. You saw it hanging there. You got into it. Mm-hmm you know, a neighbor, somebody like that, you, you all are largely that for Mm -hmm. a whole group of kids that maybe go home and say, you won't believe what I saw today. You know, these guys came and they, they had this great crash, you know, I want to fly an airplane too. And (laughs) I, I, my guess is, you know, I was, I was just wondering because I do think it's a difficult question to answer specifically. My, my guess and just being around, you know, and hearing from, from customers all over is your impact's probably a lot broader than we can measure. And I, you know, I, I, I think it's, it's just phenomenal to think that, you know, some, some kid went home probably, you know, every day after you, you guys do this, just saying, you know, yeah. mom, dad, you won't believe what I saw today. And some of them may fall in love with the, the story of the Wright brothers. Yeah. Like you said, they may want to yeah. may want to study that history or something. It may not even be they want to fly themselves. They may just become maybe they fall in love with, you know, the history of flight or something. It's sure. so many facets there. It's amazing. So, yeah, yeah. yeah amazing. And I, I think really cool. also that that that. You know, anytime we, we know we're fascinated by movies that are based on a true story, right? It seems like the true story uh, component adds a, a a more impact on our wanting to see it or wanting to hear it or holding it. Because when we're watching a movie, knowing that it's based on a true story, we think about, wow, this really happened. Um, I think that's one of the good things about the what we do and how we do it is. We're telling a true story and a true successful story, a very successful story. And when two kids um, are impacted by a model airplane that their father gave them in 1878 and they started dreaming about flying, that story germinates in that child's mind and heart. And we try to we try to water that by asking them, how many do you have a dream or an idea that sounds really crazy to your mom and dad? Raise your hand. And I'll tell you about half their hands go up. And I, and I say, your dream is no crazier than Orville Wilburite's dream of building a flying machine in 1878. And that, that, that reaches them really deep into their heart and mind. And it tells them that they can do something fantastic like that also. Um, and that it inspires them. And that's really our narrative. We're, we are modelers and we've been doing it all our lives. 
But my narrative for the Lightspeed Air Show is to get into those kids' hearts and minds and awake them and inspire them to find out what they're good at, what they're not so good at, and learn to follow their giftings so they can become multiply uh, purposeful and, and have a fruitful life doing something that God gifted them to do. And, and that's really the nut, and, uh, the nut and bolt of what we do and why we do it. The airplanes are kind of the, the draw card and the tool <laughs> to get into them, but sure. it's the perfect tool, the perfect draw card. Right. And again, the message is true. It's real. It's an American story. And um, I think that's why we see so many kids and so much um, impact that we're making is because it's a real deal. It's a real story. And it's, it's, an, it's an important story. Yeah, for sure. And talk about a, a really solid alignment with, uh, with like what Chris said, uh, with our, our purpose here at Horizon of just inspiring dreams and building memories. And oh. yeah, I can't think of a, a, a better alignment there with what we try to do here every day. Uh, so really cool stuff. It, it's exciting to see, and, and I see this across, you know, we work with the EAA, uh, through their programs and it, they've got a lot of youth programs, but nobody is going out and doing what you're doing. And so it's really a unique mission that you guys have set forth. Um, what do you guys see as the, the future of the program? You know, we're sitting here at the, the, almost the beginning of a new year. Um, you know, what, what sort of things are you guys looking at doing in the future? Well, our, our, our program is, is because of social media and, and I'm, I'm not a social computer guru when it comes to YouTube and Instagram and Snapchat and all the different things that you guys are dealing with and what we're learning as I go. And, and that market is, is powerful. One, two, two ways. One, it impacts uh, a segment that we can't get to. And mm-hmm. it, it is a money revenue stream for us, too, if we could get it there, um, because we have so much content uh, and I'm learning how do we interact? How do we do that? And, and trying to budget a, a professional that knows what they're doing in this area is, is my kind of my priority right now is trying. Who can I find that can take this part of it and run with it? So I see this coming year being a, a pivotal time for us in this respect. We, we're learning how to post and tag and making TikTok videos and YouTube videos. <laughs> and we're seeing a lot of powerful responses by, by that. So that's something that we, we are learning as we go. Um, for the program itself, we're, we're constantly tweaking it. We're making it better. We're adding little things to it. We can't go any longer. An hour is is the max. We don't want to go any longer. So every time we add something, we might have to take something out because the window of time is 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 really precious. So we we we're learning to fine tune our music, fine tune our messaging. Uh, we're adding some things to our message to richen that inspiration. Um, um, the story is pretty much the story that's been from the very beginning and it doesn't really need to change. I think it's, it's so right on the money. Um, the airplanes are, are got, getting nothing but better. Um, you know, we, we, we see us, we've, we've talked about duplicating this and scaling it 
to a national type program, but when we start scratching our head, that that's a pretty big step to try to get someone that would be willing to put the time and effort uh, and, and the energy it takes to do something like this. It's very, uh, very strategic, very coordinated, very, it's pretty in depth. So not that we couldn't do that. It's just, you know, how do we scale that and how would we do that? The AMA, we've talked, we've had conversations with the AMA about you know, how can we get this in every state of, in the country? Well, we're going to need, uh, you know, a hundred thousand plus a year budget. You're going to need <laughs> personnel that are going to commit to it and follow through sure. with it. You know, it, it's, this is really hard work. Me personally, it's the hardest thing I've ever done. Um, mm from a physical standpoint to go in there and, and, and be jacked up for, for five hours straight, you know, at my age is really tough, but I'm doing it. And it's, and and I believe it keeps me young. Um, and, but for, for us to scale that, you know, that's a, that's a tricky one. I, I know I'm sure if we can, um, it just have to be the right circumstances, but, but I think we're going to – our goal is 100 schools a year. So 30,000 kids approximately is kind of our goal. Um, we probably – this year we've done um, – so to date we've done um, 28 schools, and that's since September uh, or 1st of October. I think it was October is when we started. So we've done 28 schools. We've done 44 shows, and we've impacted about 8,000 kids. Wow. And and so the second half of the year is probably going to be pretty close to that. Um, we'll probably we'll probably end up being around 60 shows this year when it's all done by the end of May, um, which is going to be, you know, somewhere, you know, around 16,000 kids, you know, somewhere around that that have been wow. introduced to RC that knows what an aileron elevator and aileron does. They're introduced to Horizon Hobby. We plug Horizon Hobby in our program. You guys uh, get plugged in that. We use this, you know, we're exclusive spectrum radios. So every kid is introduced to the DX6E <laughs> radio. And uh, so um, that that uh, that's pretty impactful. You know, that's a big common question, too, we get. Where do you get these? A lot of these kids have never seen this stuff. Yeah, In right. fact, I'd say the majority of these kids have never seen an indoor RC electric airplane. They didn't even know it existed. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we get a lot of uh, good positive feedback from that perspective. And uh, we have a local hobby town here in town that we pretty much point everybody to and Horizon Hobby to. Um, so uh, it's it's good for that part of it also and and that was my when rick and i originally got together you know we we wanted to promote horizon hobby and the hobby side of it um with what we do so that's when i came up with the flight suit idea i went to a nascar race in 2004 and i went to the brickyard 400 and i couldn't get over how much retail apparel was sold with the flight or the driver's suit kind of looking shirts. And I thought, you know what, that's what we need. So that's when I came up with the flight suit idea. 
And I thought, well, what are we going to put on the flights here? I said, let's just put all Horizon, um, you know, a proprietary branding on it. I said, that that's <laughs> that's what we do. We use all their stuff. So uh, I think Rick Stevens, that was a home run with him when he saw that flight suit. He said, that is great. I think I was the first team team uniform was uh, was nice back in 2006 when we we started that. And uh, but the kids, you know, why another reason we do it is to an elementary kids, you know, a third, second or third grader, they, they are always asking us for our autographs. They actually think we are like somebody, right? Because we have this flight suit on and we look like we're, you know, really official. And again, that, that is adding that impressionable component to inspiring these kids and making this a fun learning event. And, you know, that's why we tag Horizon on everything and, and we promote Horizon in all of the stuff that we do and fly that, that we can. And uh, I, I think it sticks. I really do. I think it sticks um, in those little minds of those kids that see us. I really do. Well, such an amazing story, Dennis. I can't believe I'm just looking here and we're, we're uh, we, we've monopolized a lot of your time. I feel like <laughs> this is such an inspirational story and the fact that you're, you know, out there, you know, on so many levels mm-hmm. sharing, you know, a lot of good stuff with kids. I mean, everything from, like you said, history to, you know, uh, helping, you know, I love the, 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 the story of, Hey, there's no idea you have out there. That's any crazier than what the Wright brothers had to just inspire kids to dream is, is phenomenal. As we're kind of starting to get to the end of our time with you though, one of the things we like to do before we wrap up and, um, is, is to just kind of give you, we call it kind of the open mic, but just give you a couple minutes here to, to read, you know, anybody who may be listening to this to kind of speak directly to them. So any message you have, uh, maybe if they want to donate to this, if they've heard this story, maybe they weren't familiar with you and they say, wow, you know, this light speed thing's amazing. How, how can I, you know, help it do more? Maybe they're a school in your area and they want to reach out, whatever it may wow. be. Just open mic, though, whatever you'd like to say to somebody who may be listening to this uh, this podcast. Well, We'd love to. You, it's all yours. Yeah, I appreciate that. You know, my story is 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 very common to, like you said, your stories and our stories and so many modelers in our community of uh, model aviation. Uh, I feel like we all are a kindred spirit. We all have all, I hear this a lot, want, how can I make the, the hobby that I love be more impactful? How can I use that? Well, I, I've come up with that solution in, in, in when fine, uh, pioneering the Lightspeed Air Show is I put something that I love to a practical use and, and how do I better mankind? And it's worked out really well for me. It's, it's, it's been a long road. It's been a lot of wide uh, turns and, and, and uh, winding turns uh, through the years. But there's nothing more rewarding than able to use your God-given gifts and talents and the things you love to, to better mankind with. So if you're a modeler, if you have the same passion to always want to be a part of using something that you love, your hobby, to impact other people, man, this is a great place to help us uh, continue that and to expand that. You know, we're a charity or a 501c3 
uh, uh, nonprofit charity. It takes money to do what we do. Uh, all of us can be a part of this by helping us financially. Um, you could go on our website at lightspeedairshow.com. There's a donate button. You know, it's tax deductible donations. So it goes to paying for the expenses of what we do, um, where it costs us around $150,000 a year to, to do what we're doing. So, um, there's so many modelers that, that, that don't have the infrastructure that I do and what we've made to be able to do this, but want to be a part of it, man, you can be a partner with us and, and help me get this into more schools. And then hopefully maybe someday we can scale it to, uh, to expand this in other areas. Uh, in other in other states, um, so I, I I would would reach out to all modelers that have the same passion that I do uh, to be a part of this. Help me get this into more schools and 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 blow this up on social media and uh, uh, and help this thing really take off. Um, I've I've asked by a lot of people. They ask me, well, "Are you making any money at it?" And I look at them and I tell them the same thing every time. I said, I'm not doing it to make money. I'm doing it to make an impact. And, and when I make an impact, that's how I get paid. So um, it takes money to do this, but um, our, our motive and narrative is, is really to make an impact. And uh, model, model aviation has been the biggest part of my life. It will probably continue to be the biggest part of my life. And uh, it takes up 99% of my time. <laughs> if we're not doing air show stuff, we are doing big airplanes, outdoor I've turbine jets. We're flying. We just got a the, the, the big giant Hangar 9 FX3 Cub that we're oh, putting wow. Chick-fil-A all over it. And, uh, <laughs> and it's going to have Chick-fil-A cows. It's going to carry a banner that says eat more chicken. So we, we do a lot of that kind of stuff. On, on our off season and, and, and out in the club fields and the events, you know, we want to come to that horizon arrow tow and use that airplane to tow gliders all day long. So we have interest. All of us are totally into RC. That's our hobby, but at the same time, it's our, it's our passion to impact the world. So please consider joining us and helping us uh, any way they can financially or, or spreading the word, it would be huge for us. Right. Well, Steve, I'm sure we can put the, the link on, when we post the podcast, we can put the link on there too, so people can find it easy if they didn't write it down. Um, I know you're really good at that when you post yeah. it. So, yeah. um, well, hopefully this will help uh, maybe some people with some awareness and, and yeah. like you said, help just jump in Dennis for this great cause. Um, thank you for everything you're doing for, for, you know, for aviation for the model aviation industry in particular, and just, you know, helping, like you said, that, that I think that age of children you're working with are just so impressionable at that point in time, and just to inspire them to dream, to maybe expand, you know, their, their minds a little bit. Yep. I'm sure their teachers appreciate you uh, keeping their energy and attention for an hour, an yeah. hour and a half yeah. so they can, uh, um, you know, so they can get a mental break. I know it's <laughs> tough at that age with, with being a teacher with, with kids like that. So just thank you for all the amazing work you're doing to just, just to help our, our youth, um, 
be inspired, yeah, we're, creative. We appreciate you guys too. You guys are, uh, we, can, we wouldn't be where we're at without you. So uh, the, the feeling is mutual for sure. <laughs> for sure. Awesome. All righty. Well, Dennis, well, thank, you. thank you so much. Uh, I'll put all the uh, links in the show notes. So if you're listening or watching us on YouTube, you can uh, check that out. But yeah, thanks so much, Dennis. And uh, guys, we'll see you on the next one. We'll probably have a year-end wrap-up show awesome. uh, later in December. But uh, thanks, Dennis, and yeah. we'll, we'll catch you on the next one. Thank you, guys. Appreciate right. you. Thank you. Keep up. All right, you too. Thank you. Happy holidays. Uh-huh, you too. Thank you. Thank you.